It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today. It's going to be uh, pretty interesting, I think. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with... Uh, Neil Barnard, he is uh, an MD adjunct professor of medicine at the G- uh, George Washington University School of Medicine in Washington, D.C., and um, he has uh, researched and written extensively on uh, new science uh, about reversing diabetes, and it, it maybe doesn't sound as interesting as it is. I, I had a conversation with uh, Neil earlier this morning and it's going to play during the third half of our three-hour tour and it's surprisingly uh, good-humored and uh, interesting and helpful I think. Also just kind of a personal favorite of mine during the middle of the show today in the second hour we're going to spend the hour with the late Carl Reiner who had he lived just a, a short bit longer just just another year and a half two years uh, would have celebrated his 100th birthday this past weekend. And um, there's a, a new exhibit coming up, and, and we'll probably be talking about that. It uh, is um, expected to uh, debut in July called Carl Reiner Keep Laughing at the National Comedy Center. Um, and uh, perhaps we'll have more about that a little bit later. But we start out um, a lot closer to home with uh, a debut novelist who has um, was born and raised in, uh, in Flint, Michigan, and has written a book that anyone who's ever spent any time in Flint will um, understand the, the title a little bit. Um, the book is called Chevy in the Hole. It's uh, written by Kelsey Ronan, who joins me by phone. Hi, Kelsey. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. You know, Chevy in the Hole is is such an interesting title because there isn't anybody in Flint who hasn't heard that phrase. And I'd be surprised if there were people in Fargo, North Dakota, who had. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Does the how does the title play into this? Because really, the book is it's it's a love story. It's a, a not only between a couple of characters in the book, but um, between them and the city of Flint, and and it, it talks a lot about Flint history. It follows uh, these characters through a couple generations of uh, uh, Flint life. How 
how does Chevy in the Hall fit into all this? Sure. Well, I should maybe say that I I grew up over on the west side off Corona Road, and then when I got into college, I went to U of M Flint, and I worked downtown. So um, I used to, I didn't have a car, which is weird, I know, but I didn't have a car when I lived in Flint. Um, so I used to, like, walk or bike across Chevy in the hole, like, every morning, and I was always just fascinated with it. And so, you know, that would have been around the time, like, before the phytoremediation, and it became Chevy Commons, which it's still strange to me that it has another name. Um, but so I was just always so interested in Chevy in the whole is for one thing, like this thing in the middle of the city as a, a landmark, um, but how much it was kind of bearing, I don't know, the scars, I guess, bearing the scars of the city's history and also showing the signs of, um, change and renewal so in the book the book follows two families from the sit-down strike to the water crisis and so throughout the book Chevy and the whole um reappears of course first as um the setting of the strike and then in you know more contemporary times as the um, characters are getting interested in urban agriculture and these ideas of Flint's um, renewal, transformation, um, you know, how the city recurs for them and, and just shifts through the generations. When you were peddling from the west side to downtown through the area known as Chevy in the Hole, um, down there on what would it be... Uh, uh, is it 2nd Street and Chevrolet Avenue, but right there where the Flint River goes through. Were the factory buildings right. still standing, or had they been raised by time you were traveling through that area? They were raised by the time I was making that journey regularly. So I was born in the 80s, and I only have one memory that I can place um, of when there were factories still there. So this would have been like early 90s, I guess. I remember going on a bike ride with my dad, which was a pretty rare thing to do. Um, and, you know, usually I was just like riding my bike around the neighborhood with my sister and didn't, you know, just went sure. a couple blocks and came back. And my dad, so I was with him, so we got to go farther and we went all the way to Chevy in the Hole. And I remember that hill seemed so painfully steep. And I remember just having that, like, where are we? Because <laughs> it was right before, um, you know, the demolition of the factories, so they were closed, and there was the, the you know, the barbed wire and, and the, all the broken glass and twisted rebar and, and things right before they were knocked down. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when they were still operating. Sure. And it um, and and there were bars in the neighborhood. The one one that I remember in particular, um, not just because I spent a lot of time there, but it was, <laughs> but because it was called literally the factory lounge. And um, and and so I, it's it's interesting to me that someone as young as you are, Kelsey, would look that far back in Flint's history um, to tell what is basically a fairly contemporary love story. 
Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's not uncommon for, uh, you know, millennials who grew up in Flint who, like, kind of were born into that, like, time of a lot of change and a lot of um, population shift in Flint and where it, like, really came of age with the stories of how Flint had changed. Like, I was really, really blessed to have a great relationship with my grandfather. And so my grandfather had um, moved up from Detroit with his family in the 30s. And so, you know, the Flint of his stories was like, you know, 1950s Flint, you know, where he could like take me out after he retired, he would take me on long drives around the city and he'd point out all all the places he worked <laughs> and where he went on his paper route up Saginaw and all the, you know, where all the department stores used to be downtown where when he was falling in love with my grandmother, where he'd buy her dresses and, and you know, things like that to woo her. It's, so, it's so funny. I've been on many of those tours. I, I think I've even given, <laughs> I think I've even given a few where it's like that used to be this and that used to be this and and and, and like I say I I've I've had some of those tours and I've given a few I'm getting old enough now that I'm starting to do it to people say hey you know that used to be um this was all different in through here and um I used to tell my kids there was a, a bar on Dort Highway called the Shorthorn I used to play drums in there from time to time. And it, we'd drive by with my kids, and it was just a cement slab. And I'd tell my kids, I used to play under that tree right over there. <laughs> um, but it's, but what's interesting, and you mentioned millennials, and, and millennials kind of arrive in Flint on the wave of almost virtual collapse. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Flint of your grandfather's era, people were scooping up money with a net. You know, the, know. the town was just bursting with jobs, with good-paying jobs and, and excitement. And um, there, was, there was a time, you mentioned the 50s, there was a time in the, in the 40s and 50s when movie stars from Hollywood would come to Flint to go to car dealers to buy cars. Isn't that wild? I love thinking about that. And it's it's so hard to imagine that Flint when you see what's going now going on now. Um, what are in 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 your book? Um, what are some of the the highlights that you wanted to to pin your story to? Um, between the sit-down strike of 1937 and, of course, the the switch to the the Flint River for municipal water in 2014? Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, like being a millennial and not growing up in the Flint where celebrities came to buy cars... and I and I didn't up. I didn't see that either. I just want to set the record straight <laughs> that I don't go back quite that far. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I came of age in another Flint, like when I was biking across Chevy in the Hole, like 
guess this would have been early aughts. Um, there was, like, when I was in college, like, such a sense um, of, like, possibility and all this, like, kind of, stra- like, scrappy grassroots energy that was going into, you know, these community gardens and urban farms that were cropping up in, like, Carriage Town and the East Side um, and community theater groups that were doing cool things out of like good beans and stuff. Um, I was really excited about that. And I was really, um, it made me all the more, you know, interested in Flint's history. And so I guess some of the book too is like having both that sense of like excitement and of pride really as someone from Flint um, versus that bigger narrative that's often kind of imposed on Flint that's very sort of oversimplified and distressing and maybe isn't untrue but is uncomplicated. So when I was working on the book, I was thinking about moments in Flint's history that were more complicated, that were, you know, times of different lived realities for people. I think that's still very much true. There's still, you know, a lot of distress in Flint. There's also a lot of privilege. There's a lot of normalcy um, in Flint. So the 60s were really an interesting time for um, for me for digging into research, particularly the summer of 67, both with what was happening in um, protests and in race relations and with Mayor McCree and um, what was happening in popular culture, of course, that being the summer that Keith Moon drove whatever car it was. <laughs> the internet doesn't seem to agree, but the Cadillac, you've, you've, I don't know, into the swimming pool. You've really done your homework if you, uh, if you know that there's, there's some discrepancy about what kind of car it was. <laughs> I feel like I've read the entire internet several times over trying to find <laughs> what happened that night. Yeah. Well, uh, Peter Cavanaugh, who um, was a, a DJ at uh, WTAC, who brought the Who to Flint for that that show, and he was there. Um, and he has since passed away, just in the last uh, couple of years. But he swears that he was there and it actually happened and that uh you know he that that his is the right version so the one that's in his book local dj he he swears is is the the correct version of that story and that um one of the other things that there are some questions about is exactly which birthday it was for keith moon right yeah, was he just saying he was 21 to make it more, legal. you know, fun and exciting? <laughs> to yeah. make it more legal. Um, <laughs> Pete says he was 18, but but that's we'll talk about that. Um, Kelsey, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Because this is fun. We're gonna, I want to talk some more. Oh, of course. All right, we'll be right Hello back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi. I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue our conversation about a new book by debut novelist uh, Kelsey Ronan called Chevy in the Hole, a Novel. And um, Kelsey, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. (laughs) No problem. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little about a little bit about uh, uh, Keith Moon's exploits at the uh, Bristol Road Holiday Inn in 1967, <laughs> um, where he uh, drove an automobile of of some type <laughs> into the swimming pool for a significant birthday of some kind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's that's one of those things that people you know could easily believe was an urban legend but it's an event that actually happened the details are the only things that are fuzzy um what were some of the other um historical markers when you were researching for the book between the 1937 sit-down strike at the uh Chevrolet plant on Chevrolet Avenue um, in the old factory called Chevy in the Hall, that that sit-down strike in 1937, which was actually at a couple of locations, but that's a right. conversation for another time. Um, and the the more recent event that put Flint in the news, which was uh, the Flint water crisis in uh, 2014 and <laughs> and and forward. Sure. I mean, another um, kind of facet of the history I got pretty lost in was the later years of Billy Durant. When Billy Durant came back to Flint and started the bowling alley on the north end, <laughs> um, what, what just like what a fascinating like last chapter and how like strange and kind of and maybe kind of sad. Um, but just, but just so interesting in thinking about this idea of like how um, sort of early in American recreation like bowling was, and the idea of having like upscale bowling with you know a sit-down dining option, and um, it just is a last, you know, a last kind of relationship that he had with the city and with um, making money. Well, and and it's it's interesting too because, um, as as he was getting toward the end of his life and he was still doing things, um, this was this was after he had um, taken over and lost General Motors mm-hmm. a, at least a couple times. Right. <laughs> and and then he ends up running a bowling alley. Yeah, he's such an interesting figure. And, you know, I live in uh, in Detroit now. And, you know, in Detroit, you see everything is named after Henry Ford. And Henry Ford has such a complicated kind of, you know, legacy as a personality. And Billy Durant, um, even as one of the founders of General Motors, like doesn't seem to have that same, like, resonance for people outside of Flint. I think he's just such a a fascinating figure even just like researching him was a little bit tricky and kind of uh, had to take some trips 
into the archives and find like the book that his daughter wrote about him and some of these other accounts kind of from the periphery of that time. How, how was uh, researching some of this stuff? How, how much, where did you have to go to, to find some of this uh, information and, um, and how did you know what you were looking for? Well, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, I should totally say that I am by no means a scholar. I am by no means a trained historian. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm like starting with with the, what are, I think, kernels of truth and then just, just letting my imagination go with them. So I think the, you know, the base was, of course, those stories um, I remembered from my grandfather, both of... Um, his personal life and the family's history, but also he was a very proud, um, flint guy. He just had a lot of civic pride and liked to tell the city's history. So I was starting there. Um, I did a lot of archival research, um, which sounds fancy, but was really just me, um, going through like digital archives of the newspapers, especially from like the fifties and sixties, the, um, oral history collections, at the Flint Public Library, especially of the Beecher Tornado. Um, oh, yeah. Those were fascinating. And just hearing people's voices and, you know, the language they used to describe what happened and the details they remember um, was really important to me. How was it that you decided to dig so deep into the history of the families of of these these two people whose relationship was evolving uh, as part of the as part of the storyline sure um i think some of it was like homesickness um when i really started working on the book i was living in st louis at the time and it was also the time that the, the news of the water crisis broke. Um, and so feeling really just a lot of heartache and really missing Flint and thinking about my family and thinking about, um, you know, how much, how much family I've lost, how many people have passed, how many people have moved away. Um, and so there's so much, of that history that I don't have access to. And there's so much of that that I did not like personally experience even things that are maybe, you know, Flint people are tired of um, people poking at it, but things like auto world. I don't remember auto world. I would love to get a time machine and go back and go to auto world for an afternoon. But um, <laughs> I could tell you as somebody who, who saw it, evolve and come and go and and actually went there took my kids there um you'd be disappointed you'd be thinking i created time travel for this <laughs> there, right. there are so many cooler things to do with time travel than visit auto world um, and and I say that even knowing some of the people 
that had very good intentions about uh, sure. about its creation. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was underwhelming. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I have rewatched the little snippets of Auto World that are in Roger and me just so many times to try and like, what exactly? There's the Ferris wheel that looks very cool, and then the people like tread the carriageless horse, like the sort of animatronic things. It looks so surreal. Um, but if you say don't waste my time travel opportunity on that, I take your word for it. Well, you know, if you were if you were going to do that. You know, that's the site where the IMA Auditorium stood. And mm-hmm. if you were going to go back in time, go back and see Duke Ellington playing at the IMA Ooh. Auditorium. Go back and see Jimi Hendrix playing at the IMA Auditorium. <laughs> you know, don't, okay. don't 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 go back to see, uh, you know, Tin Lizzy. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Where would you, can I ask you, I know this is your show, but can I ask you where you would go with your Flint time travel machine? Oh, with my Flint time travel? Um, I'd be tempted to go back to Sherwood Forest. Mm. But, I, you know, but I have a great love for music, having been a professional musician at one point in my life. Um, yeah. You know, that was... Ted Nugent and um, Brownsville Station and all these big bands from back in the day that were from this region would perform right. there and to crowds of 5,000 plus. Wow. And, and people, you know, people just have no concept of that in the Flint of today. Um, that that would be one spot I would I would definitely uh, definitely want to go. Um and and I think people would enjoy um, one of the parades on Saginaw Street. Oh yeah, um, no, I would love to see that too. FDR, you know, rolling down Saginaw Street with people lined up, uh, estimates of a hundred thousand people. Wow! Lined up for parades on Saginaw Street, and and you know Flint just isn't like that anymore so those those are the types of things i think it would be um you know there there are a handful of people that it would be fun to go back and meet c.s mott certainly um i i did get a chance to meet him when he was still oh, really? alive i was i was very very young i mean you know four years old five years old barely remember but uh, but i did actually you know, our paths did actually cross in life, but not like sitting down and having a conversation with the guy. Um, right. And, and you know, there are a handful of others. Uh, let's see who uh, Art Summerfield was a former uh, uh, postmaster general of the United States. Um you know, they're, they're just, there's so much in the history, and that really is a great segue to something else I wanted to ask. Having done this research for the book and, and telling a story that, that has Flint history, is there a legacy that Flint can claim, or 
is is at the end of the day it's not over yet mm, I don't think at the end of the day it's over yet um, do you mean as far as a legacy like Flint sort of 15 minutes are up you know is that is that the question well no I guess I guess what I would say is 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 there a quality about Flint that makes it unique and and different and and maybe better in some ways than anywhere USA oh I mean of course my like as as the girl that grew up on the west side and went to Flint Southwestern I'm like of course (laughs) (laughs) it is better than anywhere USA um you know it's such a word that gets that gets overused and can sound kind of like romanticized, but I do think there's a there's a resilience and an ingenuity in Flint, um, and just contains so much um, capacity for for change. And again, rebirth. That sounds very romantic, and I don't want to romanticize anyone's losses um, or sound like I'm, you know, standing an hour down seventy five with rose-colored glasses <laughs> looking towards home. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I do think, I'm thinking even more recently around um, the, like, in the wake of the water crisis when the, the debates were held in Flint, and there was that headline, I think it was in the Atlantic, that was like, who won last night's debate? The people of Flint, Michigan. You know, like, really like bringing that um, like accountability to bear and like leading the way and, and asking the tough questions and showing, um, you know, I think the problems that Flint has are maybe felt in a deeper and more explicit way than in other places, um, but they're very American problems. Given the fact that you tell the story of multiple generations of two families, and there's a obviously Flint historical backdrop to all of this, is there is there a lesson to be learned, and is it about urban development and redevelopment, or is it more about personal growth? Mm, I wish I was, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking about when we were talking about our time machines, and you had these very intellectual answers, and I was like, I would go to Auto World and the Paramount Potato Chip Factory. <laughs> you know? Oh, um, I'd, I'd want to shake hands with Slim Chipley, uh, Sim, <laughs> Slim Chipley myself. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I wish that I I had the kind of brain that could really dissect this and deliver, you know, that kind of uh, um, summation of Flint and say, like, this is where, you know, this was the mistake or this is the solution. I suppose if I had that kind of a brain, I would run for city council or something. But, um, you know, I am, as a fiction writer... As someone who just grew up in Flint and really loves the place and misses the place 
um, I'm more interested in those stories of a family, of, of personal growth, of the way, you know, a city's history and a family's history can intersect. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of um, places like the, the uh, Paramount uh, Potato Chip Factory, there was a place on uh, Robert T. Longway and uh, where I where I-475 is. Mm-hmm. And because um, I lived over in the, the college and cultural area. And I would find myself in that in that area you know riding my bike to downtown flint and um there was a tasty bread factory oh yeah and you could smell baking bread for blocks in any given direction and if you went through that intersection even in a car you could smell <laughs> baking bread. It was one of the most down-home things about Flint. And I don't know that I've I've heard people talk about that much. I love that you brought that up. That was a point on my grandfather's tour. He grew up in a neighborhood that ended up getting knocked out for the expressway and for U of M Flint, like there yeah. along the park. So the, the Tasty Bread Factory... He would talk about they were very poor when he was little, and there'd be like a, and he was the Irish Catholic family of like nine kids. They would go over and like ask for, you know, like hot dog buns or whatever. My my guess, if it's anything like the Coca Cola factory over on Lapeer, um, my guess is he told you they asked. <laughs> <laughs> We used to go over to the Coke plant and ask for free Coke. <laughs> but the, but those those are fun stories about Flint when they were more innocent times because there were jobs and people, you know, had, um, people were making a living. And it's been tough, really, since the 80s, the last 40 plus years have been really tough on flint um and and it's interesting that uh that that you tell flint's story through a very different lens and for people who want to learn well we've got a couple ways to go at this i want to make sure we talk about your event coming up at totem books this weekend oh sure um you're going to be there and that now are you going to read you're going to be signing books uh you know, are you just uh, going to have conies? What are you going to do? <laughs> um, this is maybe a very not flint thing to say, but I'm a vegetarian, and I don't think there's going to be any conies there. Oh, draft. But there, <laughs> you can bring your own. I won't be offended. I won't ask you to leave or anything. But no, um, this Saturday, 3 o'clock at Totem, um, yeah, I'm going to do a reading. I think there's going to be a Q&A. There's going to be some snacks. Uh, the poet and my friend, Sarah Carson, um, I just sent her a playlist of um, music, you know, that's referenced in the book or that inspired the book. So there's there's going to be a lot of cool music, and you should come. Oh, cool. 
And any teasers about uh, about what some of that music will be? Ooh, um, well, I don't want to promise anything I can't deliver because ultimately I'm not in charge of the playlist. Um, but uh, I really love I really love classic rock, and I really love like '60s, um, like soul and Motown and kind of Motown adjacent stuff. So part of the what, um, what Flint rocker Mark Farner called rock and roll soul. Rock and roll soul. Yeah, I like that. Um, so there's some, some question mark and the Mysterians on there. The Who, of course, is on there. There's a band um, that had, I believe, just one record that you can find on YouTube. band was called Soul Incorporated. And my mom's cousin was in the band. Oh, um, cool song called My Proposal. You should look it up. It's awesome. I, I will, because I, I have a pretty extensive uh, Flint musician uh, library. Like, oh. like, like I, have, uh, I have some tracks with Terry Knight and the Pack when Mark Farner was in that band before Grand Funk Railroad. You know, that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. I have to say, I did last summer for a while. I was late to learning about Terry Knight, and then I got really invested in the song St. Paul and the, the <laughs> history cool. with the Beatles and the Paul is Dead controversy. So that should be on the playlist, too. Oh, did you? <laughs> you didn't, like me and some of my friends did, uh, sit down with the the Beatles album and, and put the the turntable on uh, neutral and play it backwards to hear the hidden messages. <laughs> that, that was that was actually a thing that young people were doing. Boy, we've gotten a lot smarter since those days. But um, but hey, we're we're almost out of time, and I'm having so much fun talking with you, Kelsey. And I'm going to try and get over to uh, Totem this weekend, three o'clock. And uh, and and get a chance to meet Kelsey Ronan in person. She uh, she's been successfully writing for a while, but this is her debut novel. It's called Chevy in the Hole. And um, Kelsey, thanks for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. I, and I want to give you a chance, as I do all my guests in the last minute and a half, to um, let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you can share? You know, I don't. For a millennial, I'm not very good at the <laughs> Internet. <laughs> I have a book out, and if you Google me, I've been writing about Flint for a while, so I've got some, you know, some essays and some short stories and things that are floating around out there, and... I don't really do social media, but I do have Instagram. You might be disappointed because it's mostly just like pictures of my cat, but <laughs> but I'm on there. <laughs> Isn't that the reason people get Instagram accounts is to put up pictures of cats? Babies, cats, and food, I think, yeah. I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Anyway, um, have a break coming up in a minute, but not before I say thanks again to uh, Kelsey Ronan. And Kelsey, good luck with the book and with the event this weekend at Totem. Um, and keep up the good work. Thank you so, so much. This was so fun to talk about Flynn and music and, and all the things with you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Again, uh, debut novelist Kelsey Ronan. The book is called Chevy in the Hole. 
a novel. We'll take a short break, and we got more straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flipflip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. 
engineering and IT services at swiftland.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Waiting in the anteroom of uh, Dr. Haldanish's psychiatric office. In a few moments, uh, Dr. Haldanish will release his last patient. Uh, we've asked for him to give us this hour to discuss with him his new methods in treating psychotic patients. Oh, the door is just opening now, and the patient is just leaving. And we're going into Dr. Haldanish's office now. The patient. That was the patient leaving. No, I don't want that nut in here again. Do you hear me? I don't want her in here for any money, for anything. I don't want that lady in here again. Excuse me, who are you? Uh, doctor, I, I, do you have an appointment? Yes, I do. I am paying for this hour in order to interview you. Oh, oh are you uh, from the, uh, the, the presses? Yes. Oh, how, are the how jolly you are, must be. <laughs> sir, sir, Dr. Haldanish, you yes. just told your nurse not to allow your patient back. Uh, that is yes, not... I can't take it. I can't. I'm... What do you she mean? spoke filthy. Filth. Do you hear well, me? You're... Wait, just Filth a moment. on my, my house and my Just a moment. You, uh, are, you are a psychiatrist. That's right, accredited. Yes, you're what's the... I'm not a doctor, I'm accredited. Meaning what? I mean that uh, certain people have said you're, you're accredited. You are all right. But you are a doctor. No, not in the not in the legal sense. Well, you have the word D... Oh, it's not doctor. It's no. D-C-R. Yes, it's... Docker. Docker. It's very close. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't look close, I'm a doctor. <laughs> well, Docker Haldanish... Docker... Doctor Doctor Haldanish, you 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 are treating you are treating uh, people who are in need of psychiatric yes. help. I lift their hopes. I turn their spirit. I'd like to get back to this yes. poor girl who went screaming from your office. Well, she's filthy and dirty. Well, what is her problem? And I nearly called a policeman in here to hit her and arrest her. Why do I have to hear that junk? Do you have any people who have real problems? A few. I My friends, that girl that seems girl like... That girl is sick. How long she got? Well, you some nuts. But that's crazy. crazy. She's crazy. For <laughs> God's sake, that girl is crazy. Have I you ever cured anybody of anything? Twice. Who? <laughs> Once a fellow who loved his dog. So, what was his problem? A fellow, Arnold. And most people love their dogs. Arnold. No, but uh, never mind. He really loves <laughs> And uh, there was a lady by niece. And what was her problem? Niece. She just would sit around the house and tear paper. So uh, you cured both of these. How did you cure the dog lover? What technique did you use? The dog lover, I said, hey, you can't do that. What are you oh, yeah, let's get on. To, uh, to the, uh, I, said, I woke him up. I, yeah. I opened his eyes. And Bernice? Bernice, I said, don't tear paper. Nice girl like this sits now tears paper. And did she stop? Go out and meet people and go to a party, go to a social function. Don't sit and tear paper. Yeah. Did you cure her? Yes, I cured her. Just telling her not to tear paper. Well, no, if you patch her slapping the hand, don't patch. Touch that. Touch that. Don't touch that. Don't tear that. Well, that would necessitate your being with her at all times. Oh, well, I lived with her for a while. <laughs> Oh, 
As a critic, as a viewer, as an onlooker. I see. Oh. One, one last question. If that filthy woman comes back again. Yes. Being with her father, I swear I'm calling the police. Well, sir, I, I'm sorry we don't have much time. I'm not time. a violent man. I'm sorry we don't have much more time, but if you had your way, she sir. She was kissing her father in the dream. Oh, is that the dream? Kissing a father in the dream. Well, you want to hear things? Well, many oh. daughters. I have a daughter, and I kiss my daughter. In real life, we kiss each other. Uh, nice talking to you. Goodbye. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and uh, I want to say thank you again to my guest this past hour uh, Kelsey Ronan she'll be uh, you can meet her in person and hear her read from her debut novel Chevy in the Hall uh, coming up this Saturday at 3 p.m. at Totem Books in uh, Flint right across from the old White Horse and uh, I actually that was uh, by the way, uh, Bill Toll singing Buick City Blues, and um, you might know him better as Sweet Willie T. But um, I actually meant to do those in reverse order because the piece in the comedy spotlight was Carl Reiner and his good friend Mel Brooks. And Carl Reiner passed away about a year and a half ago, and uh, he would have celebrated his 100th birthday this uh, past weekend. And he was, um, oh, geez, a writer, uh, director, producer, author, and performer over seven decades. And uh, he was the one doing the uh, interviewing of uh, Mel Brooks as uh, the psychiatrist in that in that particular piece. Um, Carl Reiner from the Sid Caesar show to Dick Van Dyke to uh, the Grammy-winning 2,000-year-old man album that he did with uh, Mel Brooks which um, was uh, uh, that piece that we heard is on that on that Grammy winning album and um, there's going to be a special exhibit opening up in July about Carl Reiner called Carl Reiner Keep Laughing and it opens July 1st at the National Comedy Center um, and I'm trying to trying to see in my notes where that's at exactly, and I'm not sure. That's um, in uh, Jamestown, New York. And uh, anyway, um, we're going to spend an hour with Carl Reiner coming up right after we uh, break for show ID this whole next hour from an interview I did with Carl Reiner right after he finished his book I Remember Me. 
pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.